The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
Thank you. 
We always get this uh, great message, I think, from our wonderful pastors uh, week to week. Um, and I feel like we're really blessed to get messages that are really just pure word, that we don't have to worry about it being anything but just straight from the Bible. We don't have to worry about it trying to build themselves up. They're not trying to gain a following for themselves or anything like that. They're really just trying to teach us the word. And I, I think we're truly blessed to have two pastors that that teach us the word so that we can be edified and and really grow in the word ourselves. And so I want you to be encouraged that you are in a good place to learn the word. And uh, And so... I think that's truly blessed, that we're truly blessed to have two pastors that do that for us. Um, and so I want to take you to James 1.22, um, and it says, But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. Um, we have to be doers every single day. We can't sit in here and hear these wonderful messages from our pastors we have to take it out and, and do it. And and so it brought me like to thinking about like the, the fruit of the spirit, you know, like we we can take it out to our homes and in our homes it it's, it could be hard to to you know have patience and kindness and gentleness with our family members and our kids, our spouses. Um, it could be hard to take it to our work, our workplaces, to school if we're students, um, and have peace and joy in our workplaces to show love um, to our friends. It could be ha- it could be hard to show self-control sometimes um, with what they do. You know, like we might fall into the to the traps uh, that that they might have. You know, um, and so. Um, so we're, we might mess up, you know, it might be hard to be doers of the word all the time. And so thank God for the cup, um, that he covers us with his blood. And, uh, and so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to mess up, but we have to press on. And so in Philippians three fourteen it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have Jesus to look towards every day of our lives. And so we don't, we don't just have Sunday, and we don't just have our pastors to look towards and say, hey, Sunday's coming, I'll just fill up, and hopefully it'll last for the week. We have Jesus every day, and so we need to dive into the Word. We need to take it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and be ready to go out and do it every single day in our workplaces, in our homes. And we need to be examples for our children. We need to be examples for our spouses, for our friends. We need to be doers of the Word. So I want to encourage you to be doers of the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your son. 
I thank you for what he did for us, Lord. I thank you that he covers us, our sins, Lord. But, Lord, I pray that we turn from them, Lord. I pray that we take this moment to reflect on what he's done, that he's covered us, Lord. But I pray that we turn and move forward, that we press on towards the goal, and that we move to be more like you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
fad or trend? Fad or trend? How, by show of hands, how many of you have been a part of some of these? Either you had them, you owned them, or you've seen them. Uh, let's, let's see, and we'll kind of age ourselves here pretty soon. How many of you had a hula hoop? Okay. How many of you had Cabbage Patch Kids? See, watch, anybody under 30 is like, what's that? Uh, lava lamps. And they made kind of a resurgence now. That's kind of cool. Another thing that shouldn't have made a resurgence, bell-bottom pants, bell-bottom jeans. Uh, here's another scary one, the mullet. This is God punishing me for having that. Uh, I'm telling you, if you've got one, it's, you're going to regret those pictures, all right? It's going to bite you later on. Uh, how many of you played Pokemon Go? All right. How many played Angry Birds? You're like, that still exists? Uh, how many of you, how many of you did the Tide Pods? Thank you. Uh, one. Uh, you use them in the laundry. All right. Uh, but they taste like chicken, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a dumb one. Uh, ice bucket challenge. Anybody do the ice bucket challenge? Okay, so there are a lot of these things. What's the difference between a fad and a trend? There is an actual difference. A fad is something that is short-lived, comes fast, and fades away. Clothing styles, games, uh, phrases. If you go tell somebody you're the bomb, you're really not hip, okay? Uh, like, that was old, man. That's gone, right? Uh a trend, though, a trend is something that has identifiable rises and explainable falls. Look at it this way. Uh, social networking. Social networking is trending up. Okay, that's, that's not a shocker. We've seen it for the last 10 years where it's shocking up. You know something that is trending down? Smoking. Smoking, because of the health issues and everything, is trending down nationwide. Here's a question. Is the Bible a trend or a fad. Now, before you start throwing stuff at me, I want you to hear some stuff. I, I want to share today a study, and I want to share a story, because these are the kind of the framework for where I've been going with this uh, new sermon series. Lifeway did a survey in 19, uh, 2019. They surveyed 10,000 Americans, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of uh, colors of skin, all kinds of some went to church, some didn't go to church. They said 85% of the homes in America owned a Bible. Do you think that's probably fair? I, I'd say that's probably fair. In fact, the average home has 4.3 Bibles in it. And maybe some of you are above average on that. Okay, that's good. They surveyed 10,000 Americans. 11% said they had read the Bible through entirely. 12% said they'd read a large part of it. And 15% said they had read at least half of it. 44% of these Americans surveyed had never picked it up. It's almost half. Then they took that survey and they did an advanced survey. And they narrowed it down to 1,000 evangelicals. And they re registered an evangelical as somebody that attends a church at least 2.5 times a month, okay? So these are people that are regular churchgoers. They own Bibles, and a 1,000 people, they asked them a, 
a plethora of questions about the Bible, and here are some of the responses. 52% said the Bible is a good source of morals. Now you might say, well, yeah, it kind of is. That was the highest ranking response on this survey, 52%. 38% said the Bible is a good historical book. Now, again, these are Bible-believing people. Going to church, 38% of them said it's a good historical book. Here was the one that got me, though. 31%, only 31% said, could check the box that says the Bible is a life-changing book. Only 31% of church-attending people could say that. To me, that is a disturbing trend. That that number is that low. So we're starting a new series called People of the Word. We've heard us say this phrase, we are a Bible-believing church and a Bible-using church. Last year we started 2022 with People of Prayer. And we started 31 days of prayer and we really, all throughout the year, and we'll probably continue that. This year our focus is People of the Word. Now we're not rolling out a bunch of people reading because I want you to read. Okay, but we will have different people praying. We'll have different people sharing thoughts all throughout the year. I am not here to tell you or try to convince you that the Bible is a good book. Okay, I'm going to go. That's a given because you're at church on a Sunday morning. All right. But I want us to dig deep into why we need to dig deep. Does that make sense? Not just that we should, but why I want us to learn how to dig deep and Or maybe encourage you to continue. Maybe you have a good habit. And here is my goal in this. In my goal, I want us to be Bible literate. That's the phrase we're going to be using. Not just owning a Bible, not just having a Bible, but be literate. Be comfortable with it. That God's Word is living, that it is active, and it is in your life. And our framework for this is going to be 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. If you'd start, start turning there with me on your app or wherever, if you're online, you're listening on the radio, thanks for tuning in to Central Christian Church in Portales. We want to be a Bible believing in a Bible using church. So we're going to base this series on this verse. On these two verses, I'm going to encourage you to memorize these in whatever version you read. And right now, if you're able and you're willing, we're going to invite you to do something we've done in various times in the past. To honor God's Word, would you stand as we read God's Word together? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, which was in that video open that Franklin created for us. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Thank you. Have a seat. That the Bible is the best-selling book on the planet is probably not a shocker. There are 54,945 Bibles sold every single day. That equates to 2,289 per hour or 1.6 Bibles are sold every second. Five billion have been sold over time. 
just for funsies, the number one selling book of all time. Number two selling book of all time is a book called The Little Red Book. If you're a golfer, it's not the Harvey Pinnock one. Okay, it's, it's a book that was written by Mao Zedong, so a 1.1 billion Chinese people have bought that book. Number three is the Quran. 800 million of the Quran have been sold. Number four, Lord of the Rings. 185 million. I, I'm, I was okay with that. Number five, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. But it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which I have no idea which number that one is, but I'm sure some of y'all will tell me. Uh, 125 of those, 125 million of those have been sold. And it, the Bible is not shocking that it's the biggest seller of all time. But can we trust that the Bible is God's word and that it is life changing? You see, to you and I sitting in church on Sunday morning, that's not a hard question. But to our culture who does not respect the Bible, that's a difficult one. And a lot of times we Christians come in here and we're banging our Bibles and we're saying this behavior is bad and this attitude is bad because the Bible tells us so. Jesus loves me, this I know because... Bible tells me so. So we trust it. But when the culture does not, and sadly we do not know it, can we trust it? And look back at that passage that we just read in Second Timothy. It says, all scripture is useful. Even Second Chronicles? Some of you might be going, I didn't know there was a First Chronicles. Even Exodus. Even Obadiah. Even Deuteronomy, even 3 John, all are useful. Do you realize when, when the devil was tempting Jesus in the, in the desert, three different times he responded with this phrase, it is written. Now, how did he know that phrase and how did he know to quote that? Because he spent time in the Word. Now, you may not know this, but Orthodox Jewish children, even to this day, are trained on the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, sometimes called the Pentateuch, sometimes just the, the law, okay? But Orthodox Jewish schools that still exist in Israel today, they don't do math, they don't do English or Hebrew, they only study the law. And that by age 10, they have memorized it, all five books. And yes, that's Leviticus, and that's Deuteronomy, and they've memorized it, 10 years old. Now, that might be, okay, well, that's fantastic for them. Is the Bible useful if it is not used? If it's just a book on the shelf, is it useful? You see, if we Christ followers aren't using it, and we aren't sold that it is a life-changing book, like that survey said only 31% said it's a life-changing book. If we're not sold on it, will any lives be changed? You see, that's what I'm here to talk about. Why aren't we being transformed? So here's a question, and I want your feedback. What are some of the reasons, what are some of the biggest reasons people don't use their Bible? I know it's a sermon, but talk to me. Tell me what you think some of the biggest reasons people don't study the Bible. What, what? Time. Anybody? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't have the time. What else? Emotional barriers. That's a good one. What else? Intimidating. It's, it's hard to understand. Or, or what if I get it wrong? Or what if I, I didn't say it right? Okay. Could, it, uh, could somebody say it's boring? 
It's boring. Thank you. Uh, thousand points for that one right there. Uh, some could say it's boring. Now, you get into Exodus, you get into Judges, that's not boring, okay? I can see Leviticus. Yeah, I can see a little dry. That, that gets a little draggy. I don't understand what it's talking about. I don't have enough time. We can come up with all kinds of excuses. Ben Franklin said, he that does that rarely does well on anything else. But friends, this is not about guilt. This is about power. That scripture in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Timothy three sixteen says, It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. You see, God's word, the scripture will reshape how we're thinking in any season. Wherever we're at, it will help reshape our thinking. I talked with a young woman that was dealing with postpartum depression. Talking to me is completely useless on that issue because I don't understand it. But many of you women have, right? And she was talking, and she was talking to one of her friends that said, Oh, honey, what you need to do is you need to get in the Psalms. And so she said, when, when I started feeling that darkness and I started spiraling, I would just get the Psalms out and I would start reading. And I felt my breathing slow down. And I felt my, you see what it's doing? It's reforming our thinking. Not everything is going crazy. I had another young man that was going through a divorce. And everything was not what he wanted. And he didn't want that. And he didn't know what to do. And he had a friend tell him, you need to start quoting Scripture. This is the day the Lord has made. 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 You you see what I'm saying? And and just listen to it. And he said when the demons started coming out, he started quoting those. Sometimes you're listening to God's word on uh, through an app. Sometimes it's through music. But let the word of God reframe our thinking. Because it's not an issue of do we have it. It's what will we do with it. It's will we apply. Will we truly obey. Miraculously, no one died on her beach that day. And this is the story I wanted to share with you. December 26, 2004, Tilly Smith and her family went on a vacation. Tilly was 10 years old. Her parents and her younger sister, Holly, who's seven, they went on a vacation to Phuket, Thailand. It was so much warmer. They were on the Maikau Beach. It was warm beaches, warm breezes. It was the day after Christmas. They'd had their Christmas up in the hotel room, and they got a vacation. It was so much warmer than London where they were at. It's always rainy. It's cold. It's December. But now they're on the beach. What a great holiday. And two weeks prior to this vacation, Tilly is in school, and her teacher is teaching geography. I know, it's not the most fun. And how do you, how do you excite a 10-year-old about geography? And so the teacher was talking about earthquakes, was talking about tornadoes, was talking about tsunamis, and showed a video about tsunamis. And, and Tilly remembered that video. And they were out walking on the beach. They were in their swimsuits. It was warm. It was a happy day. And she started watching the waves. And the waves were rolling in, but they weren't rolling back out. And she heard a buzzing sound, and both of those things were referenced in that video, and she turned to mom, mom, there's going to be a tsunami, we got to get out of here. And she starts yelling it, so much so that it's upsetting her little sister, and her dad takes her little sister and goes in. How how relaxing of a beach vacation are you having when some 10-year-old is losing her mind going, it's going to die, we're all going to, you know, I mean, it's not going to be real relaxing. But this girl is losing her mind. 
She's going crazy. And like I said, dad takes the little girl and she goes with mom. Mom trying to calm her down. No, mom, I'm serious. There's going to be a tsunami. We've got to get out of here. So mom takes her over to a security guard from the hotel. She says, sir, I'm sorry, but my daughter is really having a hard time. And she thinks, and so the daughter just blurts out, there's going to be a tsunami. We've got to get out of here. And that security guard didn't listen to a Ph.D. teacher. He didn't listen to a NASA scientist. He listened to the most important voice on the beach that day that was disguised as a fourth grader. He immediately hit the alarm and started screaming, Get off! Get off the beach! Get up! Get into the hotel! Come on! Come on! And they started screaming and started pulling people in. Some of you are way ahead of me on this story. Because you remember around Christmas in 2004, there was an earthquake in the Indian Ocean. 